Welcome back, friends. Welcome back. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, coming to you, as always, from the sunny climes of Western Japan here in May of 2023 with Questions for Corbett. But not just any old edition of Questions for Corbett. This is Questions for Corbett number 100! All right. Okay, so... Because today is a festive occasion, I thought I would do something special. As people may or may not know, not only is this the 100th edition of Questions for Corbett, this is actually the year of the 10th anniversary of Questions for Corbett. Yes, it was back in 2013 that I decided to start the Questions for Corbett podcast, where I get lots of questions in via email every day. I might as well answer some of them. So I decided to start a podcast series dedicated to doing so. And as you will know, if you've been watching Questions for Corbett over that time frame, I, uh, I, the idea has evolved over time. Originally, I was trying to answer a couple of dozen questions every single episode, and eventually I switched to just one question per episode so I could do a proper deep dive and give each question its proper due. But I thought for questions for Corbett number 100, I'd do something special. Let's revert back to form, try to answer a lot of questions. And since it's the 100th episode, I might as well try to answer 100 questions. Why not? <laughs> With the big disclaimer and asterisk, of course, this is not going to be as deep dived and detailed as my singular focus questions for Corbett episodes. But hey, I get lots and lots of emails, more than I could possibly answer, even if I did nothing else other than answer people's questions all day, every day. So I'm going to clear the decks. I'm going to take 100 questions out of the mailbag and then sweep the decks clean and we'll start again uh, with episode uh, 101 in the near future. But until that point, let's answer 100 questions that have accrued and accumulated in the old mailbag. And well, without further ado, let's get straight into it. Question number one comes from uh, Justin, who writes, How are you? Fine. Question number two. I was wondering... Could you shed any light on the situation in Armenia? Uh, what situation? No, I'm, I guess not. <laughs> Questions from Two Fail come in. Uh, number three, what's your opinion on the YouTube channel Redacted? I don't know. I don't watch it. You lost me at YouTube. Uh, question four, do you think Russia, America, the UK, and Europe are all working together behind closed doors to implement this new world order, order the Great Reset? Yeah. Uh, question number five. Question for Mana. Hi, you're a hero to me and my family. I like to think that I'm great at investigating, and I haven't found anything in previous videos as of yet. But with the uh, incoming financial theft about to take place, I'm trying to invest properly as I have more than insured, more than the insured 250k here in the U.S. So I'm learning about treasury bonds and see that Japan is the largest foreign holder of treasury sec securities. Is that a good thing? And should I be shifting into these securities? I don't know if this message will reach you, but you mentioned you live in Japan, so if you have time to share your thoughts, I'd sure listen to them. Okay, thanks for the questions, Anna. Uh, you can use the search bar on CorbettReport.com to search for treasuries and see what I have said on this subject in the past. But long story short, uh, U.S. treasuries have been as good as gold <laughs> since the birth of Pax Americana, ha ha ha, uh, in the post-World War II era, uh, because the dollar, of course, has been the world reserve currency, at least in, uh, since the point of Bretton Woods at the tail end of World War II. And first, of course, as we know, it was pegged to gold, but then it was delisted from gold and essentially became pegged to the petrodollar, the petrodollar system. So as long as you have 
trust in the full faith and credit of Uncle Sam <laughs> and his continued world hegemony at the point barrel of a gun, then yes, by all means, invest in treasuries. Um, but if you do trust in Uncle Sam and his continued world hegemony, I have some bad news for you. The current world order, as you might not might may or may not know, is coming to an end and it is being replaced by globalism 2.0 a.k.a. the multipolar world order. Uh, the death of the dollar is being deliberately engineered, and the petro yuan is on the rise, along with the digital yuan, a.k.a. the global slave currency. And uh, yes, the economy is currently undergoing a controlled demolition, which is prompting us to party like it's 1907. So <laughs> you might want to think about investing in treasuries and whether that's betting the farm on such an investment is a good idea at this point. And, oh yeah, oh, by the way, I guess there's the whole, when you invest in treasuries, you are helping to finance the world's most pervasive, despotic, destructive, evil empire in human history. But, you know, I mean, if ethical considerations have anything to do with your investment. Anyway, every single thing that I just mentioned there will be linked in the show notes for questions for Corbett number 100 at CorbettReport.com slash QFC100. So... You can find plenty more links to plenty more reading on those subjects. Question number six comes from Haytham. Hey, smiley face. Regarding the interview of the dancing Israelis, do you have the original? Thank you for the question, Haytham. Um, I'm assuming you're referring to the interview on Israeli TV that I played in 9-11 Suspects, Dancing Israelis, in which... Oded Elner declares, quote, The fact of the matter is, we are coming from a country that experiences terror daily. Our purpose was to document the event. Of course, I did link up the source I had for that video in the transcript of 9-11 Suspects Dancing Israelis, but I do not have an original recording of the broadcast on Israeli TV as it was originally broadcast. All I have is that footage with that translation hard hard-coded over top of it, um, dubbed over top of it. So I do not have the original broadcast footage. I don't know if that exists online. So if anyone out there has it, please let us know. I'm sure Haytham and myself and many others would be interested in it. Question number seven comes from Paul. Uh, heard about the $2,500 PayPal fine controversy and their walk back since then. What impact would this have on the ability, for example, of the Canadian Freedom Rally to raise support if something like it occurred in the future? Is this a way of possibly stifling viewpoints and shaping the narrative? Easy question. The answer is yes. And if you need more elaboration on that, please see episode 413 of the Corporate Report on Give, Send, Gone. Question eight comes from Filled with Malice, who writes, uh, James, please give those of us that utilize the Brave browser to give our rewards to you. Media Monarchy has his site verified to receive them. This would give users yet another way to give your cause inter to give to your cause internationally without banking means. Uh, thanks for the offer, but sorry, Chief, no can do. Um, it quote It looks like you're in an unsupported country for brave creators with uphold, so your channels won't appear as verified. However, once your country is supported, you'll automatically become verified and be eligible to receive payouts to your uphold account. So, A, not only is it not possible right now, but B, that also sounds like a bunch of gobbledygook for KYC-type cockamamie nonsense that is not crypto in any meaningful sense of the word, and I would not be using in the first place anyway. <laughs> uh, but thanks for the offer, I guess. 
Uh, question nine comes from Jack. I saw an interview recently with Mr. Gage, Richard Gage, I assume, and they asked him how they were able to keep everyone involved in 9-11, I assume, quiet. What's your take on this? Compartmentalization. Uh, question 10 comes from Cancer Man. <laughs> hey, I just have watched Really Simple Syndication Solutions Watch, and I just wanted to thank you for spreading RSS propaganda among your viewers. If it's not a problem, could you make a screenshot of the feeds you're subscribed to or share if it's possible in Feedly? The video is in 360p, so it's hard to figure out what are these. Sure, here you go. By the way, I hope the cancer is okay. Okay, question number uh, 12, uh, sorry, 11. I'm already losing count. Comes from Mialies. Mialies. Uh, climate change means a change of climate, which is attributed directly or indirectly to human activity that alters the composition of the global atmosphere and which is in addition to natural climate variability observed over comparable time periods. End quote. Doesn't the statement, that statement, which is in addition to natural climate variability observed over comparable time periods, mean that natural climate variability is being taken into consideration in the definition of climate change? Which makes the following statement from Dr. Tim Ball, limited it deliberately to only human causes of climate change, and the basis of your argument incorrect, considering the exact definition does take into consideration natural variability before any possible anthropogenic causes. All right, for those who have no idea what this is or the context of it, this is in response to my QFC on the IPCC that I did recently and is the IPCC rigged. Uh, spoiler, it is. But anyway, um, this has to do with the definition of climate change that Dr. Tim Ball was pointing to um, that was baked into the cake from the foundation of the IPCC. And I understand... I think I understand why you read the sentence the way you're reading it, but you are reading it incorrectly. So um, let me do my best to illustrate this with a very crude drawing. So if you're listening to this, you might want to make a note of the time and watch the video later on or whatever the case may be. But okay, we've got a graph and we have this uh, climate variability. And of course, as we know, it's this big hockey stick, right? The temperature suddenly shoots up in the modern era. And that's not at all a, uh, a, a product of fudgery, right? Oh, wait, there's actually a brand new paper from, or not paper, but report from Steve McIntyre breaking down yet more of the hockey stick nonsense. If people are interested, I'll link it up in the show notes. But okay, let's just go with this. So there's the, the this is the global average temperature and suddenly it starts spiking up, right? So this is, uh, let's just say this is the this is the baseline, and so this is this is climate change, right? So all of that is climate variability. But some, as even the IPCC is admitting, as you note in that definition, some of this is natural and some of it is human. So let's say uh, let's say this bit is natural and everything above this line is human. So this bit is natural, right? So this is natural, we'll call it N, and this bit is the naughty man-made CO2 bit, so we'll call that M, right? So we've got the M bit and the N bit. So they're saying that this area altogether is the man-made plus the natural, right? That's, that's all of the climate change. But they're saying climate change, they are saying climate change means a change of climate which is attributed directly or indirectly to human activity 
and which is in addition to the natural variability. So they are saying climate change is this M. That's what this is. And N in addition to N. So no, it's exactly as Dr. Timball was saying, exactly as I portrayed it in that episode. They are saying climate change is the man-made contribution. That is what that sentence means. Please read that sentence again if you're having any difficulties with it. I hope this extremely crude drawing gets the point across more or less. But thank you for the question. Um, let's move on to question 12. Question from Jimmy. Do you send out notifications directly via your own newsletter system for subscribers? I had previously used a service called follow.it, but now I see that you have a Substack email sign up instead on your homepage for notifications. If you don't use your own direct mailing service, should we switch to Substack's system from follow.it? Uh, one issue I have with follow.it is that it always seems to notify a day or two later and is just a brief header along with having ads. Yes, you're right. Uh, follow.it was useless. I've stopped using it. It is still sending out emails to whoever is subscribed to that list. Um, but yes, they've got ads plastered on it. It's uh, a day late and a dollar short. <laughs> and it's just, it's a ridiculous, horrible service. I'm not using it anymore. I, if you are subscribed to the follow.it email list, I think you shouldn't be. Please do subscribe to the Corbett Report Substack, corbettreport.substack.com. Uh, question 13 comes from Adora. The law that Reagan signed releasing all liability for pharmaceutical companies for vaccines in 1986, period. Why don't we repeal that law and put liability back on the mar makers of vaccines, question mark. Things would change for the better real quick. Agreed. Question 14 from Leaf. The idea of globalism has always seemed to me to be impractic impractical, having far too many working parts that rely on far too many lines of faulty and brittle communication. And therein lies the rub. What if, what if its failure is built in? What if, while we rage against the globalist machine, we miss the true purpose of the endeavor? To fail. The loss of independent manufacturing and agriculture has made everyone vulnerable to the deliberate destruction of our new in interdependence. So, interdependence as a weapon of war. Its removal as a deliberate ruse to leave, leave the world broken. One power base dominant as a savior, ready for imperialist control. Okay, well, mm, yes, okay, I, I see what you're saying. I'm not exactly sure of your critique of the concept of globalism, because I'll point out that the one power base of imperialist control that we're being prepped for is one form of the globalism that we're opposing, the other form being the multipolar UN-led kind. But I have written about the deliberately deliberately created chaos, which will be used to justify the order, the new world order, many times. Uh, for example, I wrote an editorial on chaos out of order that may shed some more light on that issue. Uh, question 15, question from Tylene. I'm a bit of an economic and conspiracy rube, but is it suspicious that the first bank to fail in the recent bank run crisis was Silicon Valley Bank, whose depositors were mostly tech startups, etc.? Since their deposits are covered by the NDIC, but given this group's limited reserve reserves, future depositors will not be. Okay, you're not wrong. Uh, I, I think SVB's fall is suspicious. And if you are interested in learning more of the details of that or why I think that, I recommend you check out my podcast uh, on Operation che Checkpoint 2.0 and on my recent uh, work on Party Like It's 1907 for more on that. 
Question 16 comes from Tyler. Hey, James, have you ever come across big stories that are true as they are told? True, capital T, capital R, capital U, capital E, as they are told. Or does everything ultimately have some layer of lies or deception? Define true. Defi sorry, define capital T, capital R, capital U, capital E. <laughs> uh, question 19. Question from Robster. Uh, do you have a transcript of episode 436, Opting Out of CBDCs? I'd love to translate it to Dutch. I'd love to have it in Dutch. Um, if I have a transcript of something that I've done, I post it on the website. So if there is no transcript, that means I haven't got one. Uh, there are many services that provide mach machine transcripts of audio, audio to text. Uh, but all the ones that seem like they might be useful obviously seem to cost money. Um, if anyone knows a good free open source version of audio to text that doesn't just create a sort of machine mass of unformatted garbage that has to be heavily edited in order to post, let me know. Let us all know. Because again, it could be very handy for translators in the crowd or others. Uh, question 20, question from Jeff. Why not promote, promote the use of Wi-Fi jammers in all locations where voting machines are used? Okay, indeed. Why not? Uh, 21, question from Robin. I have people pitching me on Novatech and they use your name a lot as the top distributor in the company. Is this true? Uh, no, it is not. Fake news. I have never heard of Novatech. I have no idea what it is and I'm not even going to look it up. But here's a hint for you. I, I don't do advertising or sales pitches and I don't put my name on products or what have you. So anyone who is putting my name on their product is lying to you and should be treated as a liar and stayed away from, in my opinion. Uh, question 22, question for Tim. Do nuclear bombs even exist? Yes. Uh, questions for Daniel, question 23. We saw the FBI-driven plot to kidnap Governor Whitmer of Michigan, for which those individuals were convicted, and now a supposed home invasion of Speaker Pelosi's home that seemingly resulted in serious injury. Aside from boosting their election prospects, since they don't seem to be doing so well, is this another attack Is this attack another intelligence-directed COINTELPRO terror attack directed at a politician? It's possible, yeah. 24. Could we now see a potential series of plotted attacks against politicians, including against the president and or their families for the purposes of furthering the domestic terrorist agenda, amongst other agendas, especially if these attacks result in serious injury to or death of a politician's loved ones? Yes, we could. Question 25. Question from Glenn. From time to time, I poke my head down the rabbit hole to see what's going on, but have made a conscious effort to avoid getting totally sucked in again. I lost my job for not ac accepting our Lord and Savior Pfizer and busted my 50-year-old ass going back tree planting last year as they didn't require bending over for Big Pharma. Uh, fortunately, job hunting is easier this year, just as it appears the world economy is ready to tank. Fortunately, my partner shares the same disdain for the Canadian shoverment and the buzz of their mindless drones. However, I believe he has been fully sucked into a black hole of counterintelligence. Every day he tells me something new and completely out to lunch, like the bad guys have been arrested and or executed in Guantanamo and drones are standing in for them, that Donald Trump has the baddies by the balls and he's just biding his time before the big reveal, 
that we are all getting $10 million on April 1st. Well, <laughs> come and gone now. Uh, thanks to the quantum system or some other nonsense. Uh, my partner lives on BitChute and his daily debriefings are basically nonstop. On one hand, I'm glad he's not regurgitating the talking heads of CBC and CNN. But on the other, I'm wondering if he's proof that I'm in a simulation and my mind trip chip has cracked. My thinking is that a lot of what's on BitChute, or at least what my partner is watching, is a CIA PSYOP or the like to undermine all conspiracy theories. Say enough stupid stuff enough times, stupid people will start to repeat it. It's the mantra of mainstream media, but it seems to be working in the opposite direction too. Of course, it plays nicely into the hands of the governments that are actively trying to censor disinformation. We need to silence the Corbett report because conspiracy theorists believe the Earth is flat. There's no connection, but stupid drones don't know that and don't care. Corbett bad, Hulk smash. Just wondering if you have talked about this in any of your previous podcasts or have information I could share to enlighten my partner that he's being had. Okay, thank you for the email, Glenn. Uh, your, your concerns here, I think, are not misplaced. Uh, I did make my... A Brief History of Hopium uh, podcast as a direct response to the QAnon craziness and other examples of that type of off-the-deep-end um, thinking that people get into when they sense some new hopium supply out there. Um, so you can find that at corporatereport.com slash hopium. I recently had a conversation on the Truth Over Comfort podcast about that very podcast. Um, but long story short, of course, the establishment is going to use the broad brush of conspiracy theorist to smear the Corbett report along with whatever birds aren't real nonsense is trending in the fake alternative media um, in in the, the current times. And the weak-minded people in the crowd, of course, are going to jeer at the screen in their two minutes of hate that they're told, okay, you know, this, this is the new thing we all believe and yay, okay, whatever. Um, but then... Anyone who falls for that kind of self-evident nonsense was never really part of my audience, my intended audience in the first place, so perhaps no big loss. Anyway, if people can see that they're being had, awesome. And if they can't, I don't know how to help them. You can lead the horse to water, but you can't make it think. Uh, question 27 comes from Octium. Is there such a thing as a good billionaire? Of course there is! Of course there is! All hail God Emperor Musk! The good billionaire who's owning the limbs and with all of his sick memes, I tell ya! What to do about mass unemployment? This is going to be a massive social challenge. Um, and I think ultimately we will have to have some kind of universal basic income. I mean, it's more complicated than this, but it's in a lot of ways, it's kind of like a Fitbit in your skull with tiny wires. So we need to go from having an untaxed negative externality, which is effectively a hidden carbon subsidy of enormous size, uh, $5.3 trillion a year, according to the IMF, every year. Um, we need to move away from this uh, and, 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 and have a carbon tax. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Never mind. What was I thinking? Yeah, good billionaires? Mm, I say no. But not definitionally so. I don't think it's part of the actual fundamental nature of billionaires that they 
inherently must be evil. But in the system as it exists, in this structure, in this fake and phony rigged economy that we are in, that is rigged from the bottom up, from the creation of the money supply itself on up, yeah, I, you have to play ball with the globalists in order to become a billionaire in this society. You have to attend Bilderberg and or World Economic Forum and or Trilateral Commission and or CFR. You have to play ball with the Fortune 500. You have to do all of these things. Um, Elon Musk, technocratic huckster, no exception for people who may have missed my uh, my podcast on the subject at corporatereport.com slash musk. Um, so I say, no, there are no good billionaires. But hey, maybe I'm wrong. If you think there's a good billionaire out there, please tell us, enlighten us who you think that is. And uh, we'd all be interested to hear it, I'm sure. Uh, question 28 comes from Rodrigo, who writes... Uh, what happened to the investigation that were that the investigations that were going on in WTC seven about the missing trillions, and the current situation about the twenty one trillions? All right, thank you for the question, uh, Rodrigo. I I think there may be some confusion here because I've talked, for example, about the Pentagon Army uh, budget analysts who were working in the Pentagon, specifically that part of the Pentagon that was destroyed on nine eleven. Several members of that team having died as a result of nine eleven. Um, and their relation to their that part of the $21 trillion story, which is a much bigger story, but that was one part of it. I have talked about that before. As to WTC7 investigations into the missing trillions, I'm not sure. Off the top of my head, I'm not sure what that might be referring to. I know there was the CIA um, office that was in WTC7. There was Enron records, SEC records that were being stored there that were conveniently destroyed that day. Other such things. Um, besides, but I'm not sure specifically about nine, uh, 20 missing trillions investigations in WTC7. Um, as for the 21 question mark trillion, missing trillions, and where that is, uh, well, I've, I've had a lot to say on that subject over the years. So uh, if you go to CorbettReport.com and you're typing missing trillions into the search bar, you will find a compendium of some of these reports that I've done over the years, the latest, latest of which was my conversation with uh, Catherine Austin Fitz back in 2019, November of 2019. But I've talked to Dr. Mark Skidmore about this. I've had um, video reports, presentations, QFC episodes, all sorts of things have mentioned the missing trillions. And I've, I've detailed and quantified that over the years to the point where, of course, yeah, 21 trillion was kind of the last number that was compiled, at least that I saw. But as Catherine Austin Fitz points out with uh, FASAB 56, if I'm remembering off the top of my head correctly, then uh, basically we don't know. It could be, I mean, it could be anything from zero to a hundred quadrillion. And we, we have no insight into that number whatsoever because it is now a big black box. Anyway, if you want more on that, just type missing, missing trillions into the corporate report search bar, and all will be revealed. Uh, question 29 comes from Mnate. Hey, Corbett, did you hear about Chaos by Tom O'Neill? A superficial glance of the book makes it look like it goes into how Charles Manson was an MK Ultra asset. I was wondering if this book is a limited hangout, and if this was information the conspiracy community knew for a while. It'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on this. Well, sorry to disappoint, but I have heard about that book. I haven't read it, and I haven't done a lot of research into Manson in particular, that case. So I can't comment on it in any great detail. I don't have anything of value to add. If anyone else in the audience has something to add, love to hear it. Uh, question 30 comes from Yuto. Hi, James. I'm currently attending college at the University of California, Davis, and plan on studying Japanese in my time here, and also plan on living in Japan 
in the future as well. There isn't a career path I've chosen to dedicate myself towards at the moment, and so I would really appreciate it if you can share some advice on some career paths or steps I can take in ensuring that the one I can t- I take can allow me to have at least some level of autonomy and freedom. Thank you. All right, uh, thank you for the question, Yuto, and I'm not trying to trivialize or downplay the question. It is an important question, but you should be asking people in your life this question. You should not be asking some stranger on the internet this question, because my sum total of my entire knowledge about your entire existence comes from this one paragraph. (laughs) I know nothing about you, or your situation, or your context, or your skills, or your talents, or your abilities, or your interests, or anything about you, so... Please do not listen to advice from people who know nothing whatsoever about you. <laughs> um, having said that, I mean, I could talk about my own career path and how I ended up doing this for a living, but I don't know if that is relevant to you in particular or really anyone else on the planet. But anyway, I mean, if people are interested in that, I guess I could go into that. I did talk about that in a sense, finding your lifestyle of liberty in a recent Solutions Watch. So that might be helpful. But if you want, okay, if you want career advice from someone you don't know who knows nothing whatsoever about you, then I will say um, you should be a um, you should be a structural steel detailer. The world needs more structural steel detailers. There you go. Problem solved. <laughs> uh, again, not to trivialize the question. It's an important question, but I, I don't think I'm stranger on the internet as the person to be answering it for you. Question 31 comes from Brian. Something that puzzles me as someone who attempts to eliminate others to the fraudulent and spurious origin of all things COVID is that the C-SPAN broadcast in October 2019, which was put on by the Milken Institute, does not receive more attention in our camp. This panel discussion that includes Fauci and other industry and government insiders discussing the need for a universal flu vaccine seems to me to be one of the very best smoking guns in existence for several reasons. One, it takes place in October 2019. Two, it's obviously not a fabricated video. It includes real people talking about their desire for a universal vaccine hitting the market. Three, it includes a comment by Rick Bright saying that maybe what could happen is that an entity of excitement that takes place in China could kick off the need for an mRNA vaccine. What am I missing? Wouldn't a logical person see this video, seeing this video, immediately understand the hoax? All right, thank you for the question, uh, Brian. And I do I appreciate your point. That is exactly why I have pointed to and talked about this Milken Institute talk over and over and over. I have talked about it several times, and I agree. I think it is, again, if not a smoking gun admission, at least it is an extremely important point, data point on the trail that leads us towards the 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023 scamdemic shenanigans. Um, So yeah, I I agree. There's really important things in there. I have attempted to draw attention to it numerous times. I guess people weren't listening when I did that. (laughs) Um, But as to the latter part of your question, and wouldn't a reasonable person see this and immediately understand the hoax? Well, presumably, but how many people are reasonable persons? I mean... I appreciate the uh, the innocence that such a question seems to exude, but <laughs> uh, as someone who's been ringing alarm bells about things that seem quite obvious and quite immediately transparent for 16 years now, I can tell you, just because you have something that any reasonable person should be able to immediately understand the hoax, well, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be that way. doesn't mean we stop trying, but I just don't think many people are going to see it the same way you do. But please do try. 
Question 32 comes from Greg. 87% of journalism majors regret their choice. <laughs> Only 87? Uh, James, what did you major in? Feels like it would, could be helpful for the younger generation to hear how someone who succeeded at journalism started out. Thank you for the question. The answer is English. Uh, question 33, question from Camille. I noticed that you avoid or barely scratch the surface of some other topics that are very present in the alt medias, like the occult rituals and beliefs of the power that shouldn't be, ancient gods, aliens theories, World War II gas chambers, synchro mysticism, etc. I was wondering if it was because you don't want to confuse your audience with topics that sound crazy. Fear censorship, some topics are forbidden to talk about in some countries. Feel uncomfortable, scared by some topics that deal with dark occultism, magic, sacrifices, etc. Feel illegitimate or knowing enough about it, etc. Relatedly, question 34 from Hugo. I hope some more, some more persons have learned about Daniel Sheehan. Uh, you've not featured him. I'm a little curious as to why. He's worked for the Jesuits, but he has played a lead hand in many an important case in the USA. I ask, why have you not looked into the Karen Silkwood case and the USA's supply of plutonium to Israel? Relatedly, question 35 from Anna. Forgive my bluntness, but why are none of the alternative, for lack of a better word, media channels mentioning the information contained in the 1991 report, Conspirators Hierarchy, the Story of the Committee of 300 by Dr. John Coleman? Relatedly, question 36 from Joe. Is there a reason you never mentioned the Olympic Games and the COVID situation in Japan? Is there a reason? Relatedly, question 37 from Leonard. Are you familiar with Dr. Judy Wood? And if so, why have you not interviewed her or examined her findings? Relatedly, question 38 from Robster. It's a pity that James never talks about this. The problem is that we have given the power to create money out of nothing to a handful of international bankers. Check out the Web of Debt. A fascinating book on this subject. Uh, question 39, relatedly from Bob. You are uncharacteristically silent on the plight of Mr. Assange. Care to comment? Uh, relatedly, question 40 from David. I tried searching adrenochrome on your website and nothing came up. Have you ever commented on the topic? Are there certain topics you intentionally stay away from for various reasons, such as lack of supporting evidence? Thanks for the questions, guys, and many, 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 many related questions that I could throw in here. I could have a 100-question edition of Questions for Corbett just comprised of those types of questions. Why haven't you talked about blah, 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 blah? The bizarre part about this if you, is if you look into this, each and every single one of these topics that I, have, I don't talk about, I've never said anything, I stay away from, I have talked about in the past. I, I certainly have talked about spirituality. I've talked about occultism. I have talked about synchromysticism. I have featured Daniel Sheehan. I have covered the USA's plutonium supply to Israel. I have talked about Coleman's conspirators hierarchy. I have talked about Judy Wood. I have done multiple questions for Corbett and other podcasts about COVID situation in Japan and how it relates to the Olympic mess. I have made an entire documentary about the Federal Reserve and the control of the money supply and uh, the creation of money that featured Ellen Brown, the author of Web of Debt, who I have interviewed many times. I have talked about Assange I, on multiple occasions. I have talked about adrenochrome. All of these questions, is, isn't it odd? Every single one. Why have you never said blah, blah, blah? Well, actually, I have. <laughs> Does that change the question? Uh, probably not, because it's probably going to then immediately turn into, well, why haven't you mentioned this enough? <laughs> So you can never win that game, but that's because I think fundamentally uh, often these questions do not come from a genuine, they're not a genuine question, 
Really? Like, why, why haven't you talked about this? It's generally a pointed, why haven't you talked about this, you shill? It's generally two steps removed from that accusation. And the underlying sort of idea of this is that um, if I'm not talking about this thing in the way that you want and delivered in the style and presentation that you want at the times that you want with enough repetition so that it becomes a core part of my message or something, then I'm a shill who's holding back. Even if I have demonstrably talked about the things that you've accused me of not talking about and calling me a shill for it. So to the extent that any of these questions or any of the many, many, many others like them that I receive on a regular basis are sincere, then here's the bottom line. I, I do talk about many, many, many subjects, including all of the ones listed. I talk about whatever I want to talk about, whenever I want to talk about it, in whatever way I feel like talking about it. And that is my prerogative. I am a free, independent human being. I will talk about whatever I want to talk about. No one tells me what to talk about or what not to talk about. And no one threatens me or implies some kind of like, oh, I think you're a shill unless you talk about this. No, I'm going to continue to do my research and talk about things that I feel like talking about at any time that I feel like talking about them. And no one will tell me otherwise. And you wouldn't want it any other way, really. You wouldn't want me to be beholden to anyone or any outside pressure to talk about this or not talk about this or to address this in this way or you didn't talk about this enough or blah blah blah. No, I'm just going to put my information out there as best I can. This is what I'm researching. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm thinking about. And I'm not going to try to represent some other viewpoint that isn't mine. Why would I? Um, why would you expect me to? So having said that, if you are interested in these subjects, absolutely go spread the word about them. Go Talk about them till you're blue in the face. But why would you expect me or anyone else to talk about your thing um, for you? That doesn't seem like the way forward to me. Anyway, uh, so I will never answer to anyone about why I do or don't talk about their particular pet hobby horse. Uh, you have your own voice. Use it. Question 41 comes from Giselle. Uh, who writes, how would reports such as yours be affected by Bill C-11 in Canada if it's allowed to pass? Uh, do you expect less new viewership from Canadians who are not already aware of your good work? It's certainly a possibility, just depends how it is implemented. And yes, um, is implemented is the correct way of phrasing it, because I hope Canadians in the crowd are at least aware of Bill C-11. But in case you aren't, uh, well, I'll throw in the link so you can find out more about it. But oh, by the way, oh yeah, it did actually just pass. So we'll see how it gets implemented and we'll see what kind of effect that has on the Canadian media landscape. Uh, questions 42 through 45 come from Gavin. 42, I reside in UK and listen to BBC radio most days. Mostly six music, but occasionally there's speech radio. Uh, recently, I enjoyed an eight-part documentary on Radio 4 called The Coming Storm on the events surrounding January 6th. Do you have any thoughts on this phenomenon? Uh, not really. Uh, was there, uh, question 43, was there a similar mass formation involved as with the scandemic? Mm, no. Uh, question 44, have you any thoughts on the likes of musicians such as Eric Clapton and Van Morrison, who were very public in questioning the COVID narrative? No. And question 45, have you heard Dangerous by Morrison? I think so. Uh, question 46 comes from Loft. Uh, off topic, is there a reason for the tracking apps on the front page? Okay, 
Good question, Loft. Um, for people who are interested, uh, let's go to the front page. So here we are on CorbettReport.com, and I will assume that you have some sort of privacy badger or some equivalent that will let you know about the tracking apps that are located on any page. And, oh my God, there's Google calls all over this page. Uh, there's Odyssey and uh, API Odyssey and Backend Odyssey, of course. But what's this, all this Google garbage? Well, as you may or may not uh, know, I spent many, many hours of hair-pulling torture uh, extracting and getting rid of every single Google call out of all the widgets and everything else that's connected to the Corbett Report so that it was a completely Google call-free page. But as you correctly point out, Loft, look what has snuck back in to the front page. Now, what could it be? Is it Odyssey? Is it the Odyssey player? Well, actually, as it turns out, no, it is not Odyssey. It is this. It is the Substack widget, which is calling Google Fonts, because how could you possibly have fonts unless they're from Google, right? And calling Google for all that Google crap um, to put a widget so that you can type your email in and cl click subscribe. So thank you for pointing that out. Um, that, again, I have spent more time than is humanly reasonable on this considering I am my own tech support. So, um, as we are conversing here live on air, I am going to, boop, swap out that widget so that now, when I refresh the page, it is going to look like this. And if you scroll back down to the receive email updates, it is going to say, click here to sign up for email updates. And you will click through and that will take you to my Substack. And so now there's no widget, there's no handy dandy big thing to, hey, sign up for email updates and here's the box to put in your email, make it easy for people. Nope, because apparently you can't do that without Google. So now it is literally just a link and you just click, click here and it will take you to my Substack. And now if we check Privacy Badger, yep, it's just the Odyssey calls now. Google's gone once again. So thank you for bringing that to my attention. And yes, if Google does sneak back on the front page, please do let me know because I tend to not check every day for what's new on, on the calls for everything that's on my website. Anyway, thank you for that. And I just want people to know why suddenly the receive email updates here is just this link, this text link that no one will see. And I'm sure very, a lot fewer people will sign up for the email updates now. Well, anyway, say la vie. Um, at least we got rid of Google. Uh, so thank you for that, Loft. Uh, question 47 comes from Boros, Boris. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Theranos saga? Good question. And uh, here's the answer. Doo, doo, doo. You're welcome. Question 48. Uh, question from Candlelight. Um, question. At a minute and change into the podcast, and this is on a solutions watch on giving thanks, you say, let's talk about the practice of giving thanks. And we're putting this, in, this the addition of solutions watch. We're making this an addition of solutions watch because yes, I think da 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 da. My question is, who is the we in your statement? Just curious. <laughs> well, thank you for the question. The answer is that I say we when talking about what we are exploring or what we are thinking about today, because I am not talking to an audience. I'm not talking at you. I am talking 
with an audience. You are part of this conversation. In the exact same way that we are currently engaged in an exploration, we are in, in an edition of Questions for Corbett, and we are answering questions from the mall bag right now. The, the mall bag? The mall bag? Come on, guys. The mall bag? Really? You have one job, and you didn't get that wrong. <sighs> Ridiculous. All right, moving right along. Question 49 comes from Richard VZ. V, VZ. Uh, by the way, did you know the search bar doesn't show up on the mobile-friendly Corbett page? Really? Let's check that. Okay. Um, mobile. Mobile. Mm, there's the home button, and if you click on that, you get the drop-down that's the uh, the top bar on the regular desktop site. Uh, scroll down a little bit. Mm-hmm. audio. Oh, search. Enter search terms. Yep, it's there. All right, question uh, 50 comes from Caveat. Episode after stellar episode, you come out with brilliant connections and throw in little casual comments like, I did an, did an episode on that back in 2012 with number, chapter, and verse. And this seems to happen in spontaneous responses as well as prepared ones. But how, Holmes, how? Could you talk a bit about your ways of storing and classifying data mentally, remembering it all, and grabbing what you need from the vast storehouse of your mind? <laughs> the vast storehouse of my mind. That's a nice phrase. Um, well, thank you for the question. Uh, it's kind of a, an impossible question to answer because I don't, I don't know how my mind works or how I do that. There's no trick to it. Um, doesn't your brain work this way? I could say that uh, generally when I'm citing specific episode numbers and what have you from the archives, usually, more often than not, it's because I have gone and looked that up ahead of time before recording, knowing that this will be relevant to the conversation or what have you. So I have that already in mind. Um, although sometimes, yeah, so in an interview when I'm just citing something off the cuff, it I often say, well, I don't remember the episode number or I don't even remember the exact title, but something like this. Anyway, but other than that, how do the connections work and how do I remember things and keep track of information? I, again, I don't know how to answer that question. It's just the way my brain works. Uh, question 51 comes from Marla. You are the best freedom writer that I know. Thank you. Uh, I would like to improve my research, writing, documentation, and reporting skills. Would you ever offer an online class to be a better independent journalist? I could pay $800 for such a thing. <laughs> All right, thank you for that, Marla. What a weirdly specific... Uh, number there. But uh, no, I have no particular plan to do a journalism class. Um, but I do have some resources in the Corporate Report archives that'll cost you exactly zero dollars. And I hope they help. I think they can answer some of the questions. Uh, for example, how to research online solutions watch. Uh, research resources. You sh That's a particularly good one, by the way, in case people just want to gloss over that. I went in depth into how I start beginning my search into a subject and showing you literally step by step with things that I hadn't searched before, just showing on screen. This is what I do. And this is the way I look at information. And this is how I start to parse things out. I think a valuable inf uh, exploration for people who are really interested in that. Uh, research resources you should know about Solutions Watch. Research tools you should know about Solutions Watch. Those are separate episodes with separate things. Uh, make your own newspaper Solutions Watch. And episode 283 on solutions, make your own media. So 
I have several things in the archives that are of help there. And if there's any specific questions that you have on specific things, send them in. And maybe that could be a future questions for Corbett or Solutions Watch. But uh, I think that'll get you started anyway. And yeah, you better believe those those references I definitely looked up before re- recording this. So no, those aren't coming off the top of my head. Uh, question 52 comes from Berghard. In the light of a brand new translation of Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged novel here in Germany, I entered Ayn Rand in your search box. The search resulted in a number of items, but nothing really seemed to refer to the controversial American author. The publisher of the translation, a glowing Ayn Rand fan who says that Atlas Shrug has changed his life and his son's life, considers Ayn Rand as a model of self-determination, much needed for our time, and rejects the assertion that she justified laissez-faire capitalism and doesn't and don't care egoism with her philosophy. So what does James Corbett think of Ayn Rand, or don't you simply not care? Don't you simply not care? Is that a double negative? Anyway, okay, I think I understand what you mean. Um, uh, well, uh, I guess the perhaps this is not the, uh, the in-depth and thoughtful answer you're looking for, but a real answer is that, yes, I did... I read... Was it Atlas Shrugged or The Fountainhead? I don't even remember. <laughs> but uh, 20... Maybe 25 years ago. My God, I'm getting old. Anyway something like 25 years ago, and maybe it's because pretentious literary snob here, but it, oh, it was not a well-written novel. (laughs) As a novelist, Ayn Rand is a terrible writer. (laughs) Let me assure you of that. If there's anything I'm qualified to adjudicate on, it is that question. What does a guy have to do to get some objective correlative, you know what I mean? But, putting that to the side for the moment, <laughs> I would also say, yeah, I just wish if you're going to write philosophy and you're not a absolutely stellar writer, just write philosophy. Stop shoehorning your philosophy into big 60-page monologues by this man who is, repre- is there to represent free man. And then there's this bad man who's there to represent collectivism. And it's just, it's so shoehorned and so obvious and beating you over the head with it. It's terrible, terrible writing, really, truly. Anyway, that to the side, uh, my overall impression from my interaction with Randites over the years. So I never got deeply, deeply into Rand specifically. She is definitely not my path into thinking about freedom in general. Um, But I have met people like that along the way. And my experience, take it for what it's worth, Randites seem to me to be quite cliquey and quite exclusive and quite you know, you have to be part of our team and worship the Rand Fountainhead or else you're not part of the club. Also, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Randites are statists and believe in intellectual property, right? So mm, I right there, I have to give a pass. That's not freedom to me. Anyway, it's not to throw out everything. I think there are probably useful insights in Rand, but I personally, I don't study her. I don't take her all that seriously. I don't spend my time reading Ayn Rand terrible novels. <laughs> uh, sorry to offend the uh, the Randites in the crowd. Uh, question 53 comes from Slurry. Hi, James. I remember you mentioning that when everybody dropped their PayPal that you lost a bunch of subscriber support. Uh, did any of those people come back or are you still taking a hit? Thank you for the question, Slurry. Uh, more people canceled PayPal than resubscribed. So once again, thank you to those who are subscribed, who are literally making this report possible. Um, I've said it a million times before. I presume I will be saying it a million times. Hence, I cannot do this without you. So thank you to all the people who did 
resubscribe or what have you. Um, and just for clarification, because some people don't quite understand what happened, PayPal did not kick me off. And I'm I'm still, you can still subscribe through PayPal if that's the way you want to subscribe. Don't care how, just as long as you do. It, you know, and a lot of people ditched PayPal. Great. It's an evil, horrible corporation, but now they're going through Stripe or other <laughs> evil, horrible corporations that <laughs> will presumably censor in the future as well, when and if and as they can. So anyway, uh, I don't think when we're dealing with international money transfer, there's going to be clean hands in the corporate space. That's why it would be great if we had some kind of decentralized network of people who could peer-to-peer connect and trade some sort of currency directly but ah, that's just a pipe dream. Anyway, so thank you for the question, Slurry. And the answer is, yeah, more people unsubscribed than subscribed. Uh, question 54 comes from Darth. Uh, Recently, I heard rumors around and people posting some controversial aspects about you as being a gatekeeper. Could you make a public statement about these rumors? <laughs> All right, well, you might notice a common theme in a lot of these questions. How do we trust you, James? Why should we trust you? Well, okay, all right. Well, first of all, I can't really respond to rumors about me being a gatekeeper. That is just a rumor about me being a gatekeeper. I mean, if there's a specific accusation, you know, maybe I can address that. But can I make a public statement about these rumors? Sure, here you go. Anyone who tells you never question anything is by definition, I would say, your, your enemy in some sense, your intellectual <coughs> enemy at the very least, and uh, should be treated as such. My message it, uh, accordingly has always been and will always be to do your own research quite explicitly. Do not believe what I'm saying. Please look at the sources. And that's why I always list the sources on everything that I do. For me, it's always been important to be able to triangulate information. Um, because information you're getting from any one source is going to be tainted by whatever that source has, consciously, unconsciously, open, covert, whatever. You don't know. Um, you don't know me, you know? I mean, I could be some secret agent trying to feed you propaganda, which is why I've always been interested about putting show notes and, and links to everything that I'm talking about. This is where I'm getting the information. This is it. Go look at that. And I don't say that because, you know, that's my thing or something. No, I'd say that because that is the point of what I'm doing. Sure. And which is why it's particularly disheartening to me that I know that a lot of people don't click the links. All right, fair enough. A lot of people aren't researching. A lot of people are just trying to... Some people are just in it for conspiratainment. Yeah. Some people are interested just to hear, I trust this guy, so uh, whatever he says. Some people will click the links. Um, but then I'll get feedback about oh, did you see this video? Did you see this documentary? Oh, this is so good. And I'll go and look at it, and it'll be sometimes two hours of a narrator just saying, and this happened, and this person did this, sure. and this did that. And, and every point, I'll be like, really? What? Where did you get that information? Wait, that was your own editorial insertion there. I, I, I agree with that point. I agree with that point. But then you came up with that? Where did that come yeah. from? And that's, that's something that I've always tried to do with my work is to try to put those sources in so that people can get at something closer to the truth. This is an example of a recent episode. Uh, it's a half hour to one hour audio slash video documentary type exploration of a given subject. In this case, it was Rockefeller medicine exploring the Rockefeller Foundation's role in creating our modern concept of medicine. And uh, you see the text, kind of the description and the link to the YouTube version for people who are still stuck on Google. And 
there you go. Underneath every single episode of my podcast, there's a documentation list. Every time I mention a document, every time I play a video or play a recording or what have you, I'll link to that in the show notes with the time index. So you hear it on the podcast, you go look at the time, you go look it up in the show notes. There it is. You can go read it for yourself. Because my entire premise is that I'm not really doing anything other than presenting my opinion that's been gleaned from this and this and this and this and this source. Go look it up for yourself and come to your own opinion. But if you value the work that I'm doing, then yeah, continue to listen. Yeah, of course, I get this all the time. And look, no one out there knows because how would you know? But I know I am not controlled opposition. I'm not a shill. I'm not dancing to anyone's tune. I'm calling my own shots. So I know who I am. I know I'm real. And I know I'm going to continue doing exactly what I do in the way that I do it um, as long as I can, because I know it is important and it is making a difference. But here's the thing. That's me personally. I know this. You don't know this, as I say. I, of course, that's what a controlled opposition position show would say, isn't it? Um, but this is the point. It is to get people to doubt everyone and everything. Okay, fine. Doubt everyone. Be skeptical. Don't take anyone's word for it. Please, literally, really, don't just accept what people are saying because they say it. The bottom line of this particular PSYOP is to get people to accept the premise of all of this, which is that you, out there, you yourself can only listen to other people and you only have to do what other people are saying. And you and when somebody that you, you, you assign trust, I trust this person, this one's real and this one's fake. And so this person, this fake person saying this thing, I don't like, oh, well, that can't be true. But this true person, say, uh, this person I trust who's saying this thing, well, then I'll believe it. And that's, that's idiocy, that's stupidity. Does anyone work that way? No, you, at the very least, you know that you are a real human being. You know that you're not some controlled opposition, fake shill, whatever. So you decide, you use your own discernment to and uh, to understand what is going on, to take information on and see if you can triangulate and, and oh, does that make sense? And can, can I verify that thing? You become the person who decides, okay, I'm going to, I believe this. I think this is right. I think this is wrong. And then you don't have to, it doesn't matter what control. Oh, that guy's controlled off. That guy's, that guy's real. You don't have to take sides on all of this. You understand and you internalize in your own way, the information you're taking on board and you move forward with that information. And you're not, you don't have to be beholden to other gurus and, and, and constantly deciding who is trustworthy and who isn't, you know, what to do, and you can go out there and do it. So do not, I am not your leader. I am not your guru. I am not asking you to believe me. I am not. Do not follow me in that sense. I am saying, follow my example. I'm not out here calling, oh, that guy's a controlled chill, and oh, that guy's real deal. I know when I see information that I can triangulate, that I know is true, and that resonates. Okay, that's I believe that. And I'm going to go out there and promote that idea because I think that's a good idea. That's what we should all be doing individually. I trust that that makes it clear enough, but just in case it doesn't, let me reiterate for the 500th time, or is it the 5,000th who's keeping track? Don't trust me, bro. Don't believe it because James Corbett said it. I, I've never said that and I never will. It's the tagline of CorbettReport.com, open source intelligence news, because it was baked into the cake from day one. Open source information. When I read an article, when I 
play a video clip, when I quote someone, I'm going to link you to the original source of that material so that you can see it for yourself. Am I quoting it correctly? Am I quoting it in context? Am I missing out some other piece of the puzzle that changes things drastically? Well, you get to decide for yourself because I have faith in you and your own critical thinking faculty, your ability to determine for yourself what information you think is true and accurate, what you think is false and misleading, what you think is relevant, what you think is irrelevant, what you think is being excluded. That's up to you. And there's no outside entity that can or should ever try to subsume your own intellectual sovereignty. So, yeah, whatever. It's the internet. I mean, if I'm not called a gatekeeper 57 times before 9 a.m., then it's a slow day. So I, who cares? I'm going to continue doing what I do. And I hope all of you out there continue doing what you do, which is acting as free, individual, sovereign human beings and taking it as your own responsibility. And yes, there is work involved in that, but taking it as your own responsibility to be responsible for what information you are taking on board and what you aren't and looking at sources, researching for yourself, thinking for yourself in whatever way you want, coming to whatever conclusions that you want. And I... I allow you to do so. <laughs> if you need some outside figure to allow you to do your own research, think for yourself, and, and come to co different conclusions, well, I'll allow it. But that's the entire problem here, is people transferring their intellectual sovereignty onto someone else and making it their responsibility. You didn't tell me that thing that is relevant to my life. Stop, stop playing stupid games. Stop winning stupid prizes. Anyway, um, thank you for allowing me to expand and expound on that. Darth. Um, but let's move on to the next question. Question 55 comes from Jay. I'm from India, and I've been living in Canada since 2013. I do food deliveries for a living. I discovered your work during this so-called pandemic. I've learned a lot from your podcasts and documentaries. I've been thinking about starting a podcast as a side project to collect, organize, and store all the things I learn listening to different podcasts, watching YouTube videos, YouTube videos, <laughs> uh, reading news articles, and more. I'd be very grateful if you could provide information regarding your production process. How do you create audio clips, video clips? How do you organize your show notes before recording an episode? What tools, software do you use for your podcast editing? All right, thank you for the question, Jay, or questions, but we'll, we'll count it as one. Uh, as you can imagine, I receive this type of question on a regular basis in many permutations. And so there are a couple of things in the Corbett Report archives that I think will be of relevance to you. One is Corbett Report Radio 149 on how to create the Corbett Report. And the other is the aforementioned episode 283 of the Corbett Report podcast proper on solutions, make your own media, where video editor extraordinaire Brock West was here in Japan. And he was asking questions that we collected from the audience about my media production process, and I was answering them. The big asterisk on those productions, I think they're both over a decade old by now, so maybe a bit technologically outdated, but I think there's still information in there that's useful and relevant. Um, if people do have questions about the latest microphones and cameras and software and what have you, send it in. And if there is enough interest, then maybe next time Brock is in Japan or I'm in Vietnam, maybe we can do a follow-up to make your own media. But... I would caution with this type of question, and I don't know if this applies to you in particular, Jay, but I think sometimes people might ask this question as a type of perhaps subconscious mental trick of trying to excuse procrastination or just never doing anything at all. Um, as in, oh, you know, I want to do this and I'll put this information out and I'll make a podcast, but 
I don't know if I have the right microphone. I don't know what software to use. I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't think it'll sound that great. And then they just defer it off. Oh, you know, once I have it all figured out, then I can do my podcast. I don't think that's a good way to go. Um, at least for myself, when I was starting out, I knew I had those perfectionistic tendencies and I could let them get in the way of me actually doing anything. So I made the conscious mental decision. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> and if you go back to episode one, <laughs> that becomes quite apparent. Yeah, it's terrible production quality. But hey, it's a, it's just a regular guy who's passionate about what he's talking about. And, and I just started putting it out there and doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. And hopefully improving along the way. I'd like to think I've upped my media game in the past 16 years. Hey, I'm now in 1080p webcam. Woo! <laughs> Welcome to the 21st century, James. Took you long enough. But yeah, and that's another thing to think about with regards to this question. What level of media production are you looking to attain here? You should keep that in mind because like with the Corbett Report, I am not trying to compete with the Fox News and CNNs of the world. I don't need a million dollar set and tens of thousands of dollars of lights and cameras and makeup artists making up bimbo, info bimbos and whatever to read the news to you. That's not the audience that I'm going for. That's not the, the media production I need to create. So does everyone need to see my every pore on my face in crystal clear 8K quality? Probably not. Probably not. Probably wouldn't make that much of a difference to the Corbett Report. So know what it is you're doing and just get out there and do it. Learn by doing. That was the whole point of the autodidacticism conversation I had with Richard Grove last year on Solutions Watch. I am a believer in it because that's why you're listening to me at all right now. Next questions come from Whitley. Question 56. I was wondering, how do you manage all of the knowledge you have on a vast array of subjects? <laughs> Which I think we saw a permutation of this question before. And once again, I just, I don't know how to answer this question. Doesn't your brain work this way? Uh, 57. Do you use some sort of note-taking or second brain system like Obsidian? Nope. Don't use Obsidian. Don't use the brain don't use any of this other software for collecting and organizing notes and what have you. The closest I can give you is uh, The Highlighter is Mightier Than the Sword, which is a Solutions Watch episode from last year. And about halfway through that video, I show the act of me saving an article to my hard drive. Um, in that case, I think a Ukraine article that I was researching at the time. And you can see the directory structure in which I save it. I, this is a Ukraine article. I'll save it in the Ukraine folder. <laughs> this is not rocket science. And that's about the extent of my organization. Even that, I don't use that very much when I'm doing my research and writing. For my, my brain, the way it works, I think it's the act of saving it to my hard drive that helps me to remember that it's there. So your mileage will vary. Um, if Obsidian or whatever else works for you, great. But I don't use it myself. Uh, question 58 comes from Amber. I've been watching your videos for over a decade now, and I've noticed recently that you have a growing collection of guitars. Yeah. Uh, is there a chance you'd give us a concert anytime soon? Amber, I thought you'd never ask. Yes, of course. Uh, for people who don't know, and you should by now, I'm in a band. It's called Kodomo-san. Our music is available for free listening pleasure at any time at kodomosan.com, and you should go there if you're interested, but since you asked nicely, I could regale you with a chanson or two. Um, let's, um, speaking of microphones and cameras and stuff, let me, um, let me see if you can actually see my guitar and see me. This is a delicate balancing act. All right, um, and let's see if I can get in focus. 
I'm over here, camera. Okay, there we go. <laughs> and let's see if we're in tune. I'll take it. <laughs> um, all right, everybody. Uh, again, I'm getting out of focus. You're focusing on this microphone, aren't you? Is this thing on? Hello? Ladies and gentlemen, please rise for the Japanese national anthem. For music um, but no actually I, I put those mistakes in on purpose so you'd know I'm not overdubbing some studio ace on top of my plane <laughs> hello <laughs> actually that's not a bad idea <laughs> Brock uh, dub a uh, Tim Henson lick over this please Why, why does your acoustic guitar sound like a plugged-in electric? <laughs> you, you wouldn't understand. <laughs> All right. Um, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I'll play for you. I will play for you the second ever song that I wrote. It is called The Experiment, and I won't explain it because I think it speaks for itself. <laughs> the Experiment, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and it goes exactly like this.
That's a little ditty from uh, Capricorn One, our first album. And we're currently in the studio working on an EP, so... Thank you, Amber, for allowing me to have a little fun there. And uh, Kodomosan.com, for those who are interested. Keeping it on a musical note, let's go to question 59 from Tom. So here's a fab and gear thread for you. My intuition slash spirit slash soul, a.k.a. the still small voice guided me, like out of nowhere, so so I know it's from somewhere, to listen to George's All Those Years Ago and read lyrics along with it. That was an awakener all over again, by the way. Then I strolled to When We Was Fab. Same. Then, at the tail end of Fab, there's a female voice clip. Sounded like a female talking head journo at first. I cranked the volume for the new headphones and listened closer. It might be Yoko or an Indian woman. I can only figure out, understand a few words, phrases. I then searched it on the interweb, rewording my search five ways to Sunday to no avail. So I'm including you in my quest, Sir Knight. Have you come across any articles or research or anyone in the interview even asking about who it is speaking and what they're saying? I'm still searching. I was hoping you had some contacts. I don't. Hello, George. <laughs> uh, so far, nothing in any articles about the song or interviews with George mentions the voice clip at the end. When We Was Fab, right at the end, just before it fades out, sitars abound, you know the bit, wink wink. Thanks in advance, my friend. <laughs> Alright, thank you, Tom, for the ebullient and uh, fun question there. Um, but I to immediately puncture a bubble, although, as you may, not, may or may not know, I am a Beatles aficionado, and I do know quite a bit about the recording history and the day, daily ins and outs of the Beatles and their oeuvre. And I do know quite a bit about John Lennon's biography and his solo work. I know a little bit about Paul. I know very little about George. So I have heard When We Was Fab maybe a couple times in my life. Didn't think much about it. Certainly have no idea what voice you're talking about. Never really listened to it before. So let's give it a listen.
Mm, no, sorry, Tom. Uh, off the top of my ear, I certainly didn't catch that, so I have no idea. Um, let's let's ask Vinny Caggiano about this. Say, I got a question for you. You do? That's unusual. <laughs> do you know George Harrison's When We Was Fab? I don't know it. I mean, I've heard it before, but I don't... I haven't played it. So you, off the top of your head, wouldn't know what that weird voice that you can almost kind of hear of some woman speaking that is in kind of the background at the very end as the sitars are swirling around. You, you don't happen to know what that is? I have no idea. In fact, I didn't know that existed. Nope. Sorry. Sorry to be of no use whatsoever, but I, I haven't done any research on this, so if there are any people in the crowd who happen to know any of this particular trivia of this the voice clip and what it is and where it comes from, please let us know. I, If I come across it in my travels and travails across the interwebs, I will let you know, Tom, but sorry, can't be of help today. Uh, let's move on to question 60. Question from Andy. We are all Alex Jones today. He certainly has his flaws, but $1 billion, obviously referring to the recent billion-dollar settlement thing with Sandy Hook and all that, I noticed some of the evidence they used against him was the words of his callers. How do we know those callers were not agents? Good question. We don't. Uh, question 61 comes from D'Anthony? Well, less of a question, more of a warning. Uh, back on interview uh, 1761, he left this comment in which he said, tomorrow is the date to be watchful for. 11-6 equals 66 and 2022 equals six. Together equals 666. You may shrug shoulders, but tomorrow you won't. Expect damage by nukes, dirty bombs, etc. <laughs> I'm sorry, you know that is my particular grammatical pet peeve, right? Anyway... <laughs> All right, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, November 6, 2022 is the date to be watchful for. The numerology never lies, I tell you. All right, thank you, D'Anthony. Uh, question 62 comes from Cornelia. Hi, not sure if I'm currently subscribed. <laughs> Could you check, please? And if I'm not subscribed, I will rectify this immediately and subscribe. Thank you, Cornelia, for being up on that. I appreciate that. However, it shouldn't... Hopefully you don't have to... <laughs> Hopefully you will know if you are paying me money or not. At the very least, you check your bank statements and things, right? At any rate, for people who are similarly curious as to whether or not they're subscribed, well, first of all, when you subscribe, you should get an email from me with your login info and a link to the welcome video and all that. If you don't have that, please let me know. I'm happy to send it or resend it. Um, but uh, for anyone who is subscribed via Stripe, there is a link and... Sure, Brock, throw it on screen, but... I'll put it in the show notes so that you can take it down. There's a link that you can use, and that from that link, you'll be able to see your subscription to the Gorbert Report and change and update your card details and whatever else you need to do. Cancel if you want to. Um, via Substack, I think you have to go through Substack itself, log into your account there, and you can see who you're subscribed to, and you can change, update, cancel, whatever. Uh, via PayPal, again, there's uh, you can do it through your own PayPal account, and there is a link, a help article that walks you through that. Um, again, you can change, you can update, you can uh, cancel if you want to. So it's all there and you should be able to do it yourself. But if there is ever any question, please just let me know. I'm happy to help and I can do it on my side and confirm for you. Uh, question 63 comes from Randy. Uh, what can you conjure up about what we can all expect if, when the CBDC actually 
takes effect. Uh, I was in Italy when the euro took over the lira, and it was like a hundred percent price price hike overnight. Uh, yes, Randy, thank you for that. Yeah, I think. Um, all right, I think the smart move, if I was a smart tyrant desiring control over the people, is to go slow, roll things out gradually, and introduce CBDC as a supplement. To all the other ways you can pay, they're not going away. But here's the CBDC thing. It's it's the kind of cool, trendy thing, but maybe it's too cool for you. Just stick to your old fuddy-duddy ways. And if you want, you can download this app and you can play a little with the CBDC. But don't worry, there's spending limits on it and everything. We're not we're not replacing anything. And gradually lure people in. Oh, you know, you can get a 10% discount if you use CBDC or whatever it is, and then lower the hammer on them. But having said that, I don't think these people have, these would-be tyrants have proven themselves to be smart in any sense. I think they're idiots and megalomaniacs, so they'll probably try some dramatic false flag bank run bank collapse scenario. Oh my god, the banks are closed and when they open it will all be CBDC and you must take this digital currency. Some sort of dramatic false flag kind of thing like that. I, I, it's, it's in the cards. Who knows how it's going to happen? I don't know, but there's lots of different ways. And as I would like to stress again and again, CBDCs, there's a lot more to this than sort of the one thing that people are thinking of, that it's going to be this all-or-nothing currency that's going to arrive all at once. There's many ways this can be done, and it can be done retail or wholesale, and it can be done through middlemen, financial institutions, or through the central bank directly, or some other rigmarole. And there's a lot of hocus-pocus that they will throw at you. And when it doesn't look exactly like that nightmare scenario that you're imagining... Well then, hey, you crazy conspiracy theorist, you were hyperventilating about nothing. Well, actually, no, the entire infrastructure is all behind the scenes. It's just that you don't get to see it on your day-to-day level or whatever. Anyway, I just want people to be aware of that. CBDCs beyond the basics is the uh, the research tool for you to use along those lines. All right, let's move on to question 64, which comes in from E, who writes, EarthNow is partnering with Gates on EarthNow satellites. Are they in effect now? I want to go fishing and hope to enjoy some privacy in the great outdoors. Yeah, for people who missed that story, I think it was 2018, Earth Now, some company came along um, with a seed funding round that included investors like Bill Gates, uh, promising, hey guys, we're going to put up this satellite network that's going to 24-7 continuously video monitor every every square inch of the planet. I think that was at least the long-term game plan, and they were starting to raise money for that, and Bill Gates did contribute to it. Um However, according to the founder's LinkedIn, uh, EarthNow went bust in 2019. So I guess they didn't proceed past the initial seed funding round. Take that for what it's worth. Is it really gone? At any rate, I highly suspect that some EarthNow-like project is in the works via some other company that's just... They realized, oh, maybe a little too much press here, because if you do type it in, you will see a lot of the coverage at the time. Bill Gates wants to monitor the Earth (laughs) kind of thing. So maybe that was a little too much publicity, and maybe they've gone a little more undercover. At any rate, I'm sure SpaceX, Musk, and his DoD millions, billions of contracts is sending up all sorts of satellite new hickory up there to do all sorts of monitoring that we're not allowed to know about, but Musk certainly is involved in, so... At any rate, yeah, Earth now, as far as I know, is defunct, but I don't think the idea is defunct, unfortunately. Go fishing. Go fishing anyway, but yeah, be aware that things are afoot. Um, question 65 comes from so- Sotiris? Sotiris. Hi, James. I have watched the majority of your videos, and I don't recall any mention of intellectual property 
within voluntarism. Are they mutually exclusive, in your opinion? Would love your opinion, thanks. Well, yes, thank you. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if I have mentioned that specifically in the past, at least in terms of my voluntarism, but obviously, as people know, I am against the concept of intellectual property, and I do think it is it is incompatible with the concept of voluntary free association because what is intellectual property? What is copyright? What is trademark? What are these things? They are government-granted monopolies, on the use of information. So I don't see how that would that could be compatible with a system that does not recognize the authority of government. I mean, it is government monopoly. That is where trade patents and, uh, and copyright came from. That is explicitly what they originated as. Um, so yeah. Anyway, in case you don't know, IP is a myth. Please see my podcast episode on um, Please Steal This Podcast for more information on that. And hey, I do a Rendition of IP Freely there, if you want some more of my music. All right, question 66 comes from Job, who writes, I watched one of your items about Trump from 2017 and noticed the black cube with your logo popping up on the screen. Of course, I saw it before in other videos, but then never realized what it could mean. So my question is, why do you use the black cube? For I have learned that it has occult uses. All right, Job. What an interestingly biblical name. Um, the, the answer is because it looks good. It's an easy way of presenting the title and sort of logo of the site and what type of podcast you're watching in a visual way. This is a news trope that a lot of news will use. And hey, it looks good. It's convenient. It makes a point. So are cubes out? Because let's add it to the list because cubes are out, obviously, because it's the Saturnalian cult or whatever. And circles are the Eye of Horus. And triangles, of course, it's the capstone of the pyramid. So basically all of the most basic shapes of the human visual vocabulary are out because they're all occult now, because the occult has taken them over. Do, do you see the problem of this? Okay, let me first state for the record, no, the black cube thing idea is not some sort of, I'm bowing down and worshiping the Saturnalian cult, and I'm not some Satan worshiper or something because I have a black cube. That's not what that's about. I realize, okay, there's occult uses to this. That's not what I'm doing. Are we going to allow the occultists to take the most basic shapes and visual representations in in human productive visual experience and, and make that, oh, okay, that's all occult, so we can't use any of that. Am I allowed to put a, a stick man? Can I have that as my logo? No, because that's like Da Vinci's man thing, right? No, oh, and he was an occultist. So, hmm. No, I guess every all, all form of visual representation is out of the window now. No, of course not. Let's not let them do that. Because if I write a song about Saturnalia trying to call out the human sacrificers, does that mean that I am part of the satanic cult that's worshipping Saturnalia? No. I think we have to be discerning about these types of things and whether people can use them or if they we should just consign squares and circles and everything else to the dustbin of history because they've been co-opted. No, I am I'm going to use it because it, it does not represent any of that to me. Anyway, just for the record, no. <laughs> Uh, question 67. Question from Shelley. How is the public feeling about Japan's military spending increase of 22%? Um, public, what do you think? They are unhappy. Uh, question 68. Uh, question from Andrew. I'm curious about the participants at this event, which 
consisted of 10 current and former health ministers and senior public health officials from Senegal, Rwanda, Nigeria, Angola, Liberia, Singapore, India, Germany, as well as Bill Gates. And then he has a link to the Center for Health Security and an exercise that they were running. And he asks, I'm trying to see a connection between these eight particip participating countries, but I can't, can't, but I can't speak. I can't find one. Any idea? Ideas? Okay, thank you for the question, Andrew. Uh, yes, for people who don't know, catastrophic contagion, everyone. Officials in two Latin American countries alerted the WHO of several outbreaks of a new infectious disease that's mysteriously appearing across the region, Severe Epidemic Enterovirus Respiratory Syndrome 2025. Over the past six weeks alone, there have been 500 confirmed or suspected cases reported. The virus could cause a severe pandemic if early containment and mitigation efforts are not successful. The pandemic in this type of situation and trend would be a risk for the global health security. Pandemics are inherently political, financial, and so much broader. We have not spoken on the leadership in country. And I think that we need to be also very careful. Yes, catastrophic contagion, everyone. And yes, that really did happen. And yes, the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security, in partnership with the WHO and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, did conduct a pandem pandemic tabletop exercise at the Grand Challenges Annual Meeting in Brussels, Belgium, on October 23rd, 2022. And yes, they were simulating a globally spreading ent enterovirus outbreak, which disproportionately kills children, but... Relax, everybody. The Reuters fact-checkers have cut, swooped in to determine that this was all a fictional thing. So there's nothing to worry about, guys. It's like that Event 201 thing with the coronavirus plushies. Don't don't trouble your little heads about it. Anyway, uh, yeah, the, the bulk of your question here, why those particular countries, I can only speculate, but certainly the African countries represented there does seem to dovetail in with the whole Ebola-Marburg hype of the past decade, which was part of the setting of the table for the uh, the scamdemic. So that seems natural enough, I would say, for a simulation like this. Uh, Germany seems like a NATO representative at the table. Also, just happens to be, according to the latest uh, figures I've seen, the largest single donor to the WHO at this point. And Gates, well, duh. <laughs> CorporateReport.com slash Gates, everyone, if you need more on that story. And for what it's worth, according to the latest numbers, apparently the second largest donor to the WHO at the moment. As for India and Singapore, yeah, good question. I don't know why they, those countries specifically, it doesn't, doesn't ring a bell off the top of my head why they would be in there. Maybe something planned for that region. Maybe they're not. Maybe diversity and inclusion. Who knows? Uh, we could speculate, but I wouldn't waste too much time speculating about such things unless and until retroactively a catastrophic contagion is shown to be an Event 201 type scenario that is of significance. And then you can go back and see perhaps why that was. I'm not sure speculating at this point will yield much fruit. If anyone knows off the top of their head exactly why India and Singapore are at that table. But maybe there is no particular reason. Um, maybe we're living through a repeat of the 2002, 3, 4, 5 era of the War of Terror, where people were rightly concerned about all of these 
terror ev- uh, simulations and exercises because it, it could be the next false flag. And there were many, 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 many such exercises that played out that didn't turn out to be the next false flag. So this may be one of those in the biosecurity era that we're living through right now. All right, uh, question 69 comes from Joshua. James, I think I just spotted a trend which has determined whether in the course of a fourth turning conflict, the side that was fighting for liberty against despotism emerged victorious or was vanquished. When it was fighting mostly to break free from the bonds of some old established system of state, liberty has been defeated. When it was also fighting to realize some revolutionary new system of governance, institution of mediation, or even a method of waging war, liberty has been victorious. And yet, during this particular fourth turning, the forces of despotism have been employing a globally coordinated, many multi-vectored, starfish-beats-spider-salt-the-earth style of warfare towards erecting radical, never-before-attempted matrices of governance and control, systems of financial and monetary regulation, and re-engineering the human genome. I suppose any alternate systems we're considering should be equally well-imagined, precisely defined and encompassing, yet decentralized, as well as new and revolutionary with a healthy dose of retro. (laughs) What do you think? Agreed. Uh, Make it so, Joshua. Uh, Question 70 comes from Steve. Where is Christian Westbrook, a.k.a. Ice Age Farmer? Yeah, good question. I don't know. Uh, As people may have seen, uh, he hasn't posted anything for... I don't know, a year and a half or longer at this point. Um, but I don't I don't know Christian Westbrook. I interviewed him precisely once. So that's the entirety of my contact with him. I don't have any special contact uh, for him. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not my brother's keeper. I don't have the podcaster bat phone. Hello, Joe Rogan. Get me Christian Westbrook on the phone. It doesn't work that way. So I, I don't know. I'm assuming when and if he is able to pop up and say something, he will. And if anyone knows, let us know. Uh, Question 71, question from Patrick. Am I dumb and blind, or didn't you implement a possibility to search your site? Uh, Well, Patrick, I've got some bad news for you. Question 72, question from Gavin M. Uh, Didn't James Evan Pilato move recently? Do you know if he's in New Mexico now or somewhere else? Yeah, good question. Hmm. (laughs) Where could I possibly go to determine whether James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com has a postal address in New Mexico. Oh, I know. How about MediaMonarchy.com? Sorry to be sarcastic, but if you ever have a question like that, the first place to go would be to someone's website and see, oh, yes, there's the New Mexico address, which we provide every week on New World Next Week, which is also linked up on my membership page for people who are looking to send check or money order in for subscription. So, yes, he is in New Mexico. The postal address is there for people looking to contact him. Uh, question 73 from Little Bird. Production question. Was the odd extra audio at the end of New World Next Week 507 uh, intentional? Uh, no. No, it wasn't. And I think that was my mistake. I think it was a mistake when I was rendering that video out. So, mea culpa. Uh, but no, not intentional. Question 74. Question from Ron. Hi, James. There's a black book on your bookshelf nearly always behind your right ear on your broadcasts. It has EF in what looks like gold lettering beneath BE or possibly GE above. I'm interested in finding out what this book's title is. Yes, yes. I think I've rearranged the shelf recently, so it's moved, but you are referring to this book. And you're not the only one. It is... It is interesting to me how many people have emailed me over the years about this book in particular. Oops, I just spoiled the punchline. Yes, this book, which, of course, is 
The Rockefellers, An American Dynasty by Collier and Horowitz. I will link up the archive.org version so you can go read it if you're interested. Um, there's some some important info in here, some things that they got from original research and interviews and what have you. So if you're interested in big oil and getting deeper into that story, there's some stuff in here. It's, I mean, obviously a bit mainstream, but some stuff worth noting. Um, anyway, it's interesting. That book in particular seems to catch the eye of many people. So there it is on the record and no one will ever ask me that again, right? Uh, question 75 from Vadum. At the very beginning of this interview, interview 1643, where I'm getting this qu question from, Allison says, we're just waiting for him to get into the green room. What? James, I thought we were watching you in the little apartment that you've shown from the outside. An image arises of someone who calls himself James doing a selfie video while walking in the park, but actually walking on a treadmill, a fan blows occasional gusts into the his hair? No, into the mic. While in the otherwise empty room, a camera is before him, while a green curtain hangs on the wall just behind. Could it be in a bunker in Antarctica? Or maybe she was just using a showbiz term casually. <laughs> yeah, thank you uh, for the question, Vadum. Yeah, hmm, let's use process of elimination here. The ex-MSM or Alison Moreau, who is inter in interviewing me there, maybe she was using the the showbiz term for waiting area, which, by the way, is the same term that StreamYard, I think, uses for their... Uh, their backstage area before you bring someone on screen. you It's the green room, right? But uh, no, no, no. No, of course not. You got me. I'm in a bunker in Antarctica. <laughs> in Getting into a green screen room so I can project a pretty messy room behind me. I mean, after all, have you ever seen me wheel over and pick a book off the bookshelf or pick up one of those guitars? I don't think so. It's clearly all a green screen. <laughs> Uh, anyway, question 76 uh, comes from Margaret. Uh, Dear James, I've been working a bit doing transcribing with sonics.ai. If I do some more, would you be interested in having them for your site? And question 77, relatedly, comes from Julian. Please! The Corbett Report should be available in Spanish, too. Content is amazing, and I believe it would smash our brains. <laughs> we have nothing like this on our language, and I'm really interested in translating anything you allow me to. Well, good... Good news, guys. You don't need me to allow you to do anything. If you want to transcribe or translate any of my work, great, go for it. It is Creative Commons 4.0, so please get out there, transcribe, translate, spread it to the four winds, post it everywhere. Uh, the only thing I ask is link back to the original, please, and don't sell my stuff as your own work. And obviously don't try to sell it, but other than that, you're free to copy it and spread it to the four winds. So that's good. And trans transcriptions are always welcome. And if they're nicely edited and not uh, don't take a bunch of work, then I'd be happy to throw them on the uh, original post. And uh, translations are also, of course, welcome. Um, if you want to either submit a translation or if you have a channel or a blog or somewhere where you post it up, consult my Translate the Truth episode of Solutions Watch for more on what you can do with that. Uh, question 78 comes from Mark. I highly regard your work. Have you ever considered doing research slash documentary on Flat Earth versus Globe Earth? I feel like if anyone can put that one to rest, it is you. I, I thank you for the vote of confidence, Mark. Let me see. Uh, yep. Yeah, it looks round to me. All right. Uh, there we go. I guess that settles that. Question 79. Q from St. Fluffy? Hi, James. Uh, saw spouts of water coming from deserts, but also huge amounts from Japan. Any ideas why we having so many water spouts, especially in deserts, but also in your lovely Japan? Take care, St. Fluffy. <laughs> uh, I <laughs> Thank you for the question, St. Fluffy. I genuinely have 
No idea what you are asking. <laughs> Question 80 comes from Emily. Did you happen to notice the theme of the Super Bowl ads this year that showed the huge class divide? In the course of two hours, we were told we don't work, Dunkin' Donuts. We are weird, Mayo commercial. We like we look like flamingos, T-Mobile. And we need to get back in the kitchen, Popcorners. J-Lo even mentions to grab her a glazed donut on Ben's way out as if the rich are entitled and anyone can just walk off their jobs. Am I the only one who noticed this? Nobody's talking about it online. Yeah, okay, good question. It's probably, I, I take your word it's there, but I did stop watching Super Bowl commercials at the point when I stopped watching Propaganda and Propaganda Watch. So I haven't looked at a single Super Bowl commercial since Brock subjected me to those those ones from a couple of years ago. Uh, that's in the archives if, you, if you're interested. Just type Super Bowl into my search and you can watch those. Watch me squirm watching that propaganda. Uh, it's probably there, but hey, the propaganda only has an effect if you're watching it, right? If you're not even watching it, it's not going to affect you in your mind anyway. Uh, questions from David. Uh, question 81. Just a thought. Putin was a WEF young global leader. What if a limited nuclear exchange occurred? Could this be the rationale to bring in a world government? Yes. Question 82. Also, I would like to hear your comments on Cy Hirsch's report on Nord Stream. Do you think this is a limited hangout? All right, thank you for the question. I don't take Hirsch's or anyone else's secret anonymous sources seriously. Trust me, bro. And uh, neither should you. Um, remember, they, they really did get Osama, guys. And they threw his body parts out of the helicopter on their way back to base for no apparent reason. So, yeah, no, I don't. Sai, trust me, bro, Hirsch is not the person I turn to to tell me things. It doesn't mean he's wrong. In fact, I think Nord Stream was a false flag of some sort and undoubtedly had American intelligence and other intelligence involved in it. Sure, I, I, I believe that to be the case. I just, I don't rely on Sai Hirsch to tell me that. Question 83, a question from Elsid. I just viewed for the first time episode 232, AIG Exposed, a belter. Uh, next stop, the rest of the linked interview with Richard Gro Grove, who was running late to work on the morning of 9-11. Question, what is that funky tune that episode 232 plays out with? We only get the first verse which is humorously on point, and now I'm hanging for the rest of the song. Gotta keep the toes tapping in these times. Uh, yes, yes we do, Elsid. So I'm glad the, uh, the song was relevant and on point. Not surprised you couldn't find it. It is not a uh, mainstream popular song. It is called, or at least it's on YouTube under the title Insurance Song, um, on the Music Is Life-esque YouTube channel with 12 subscribers. So... <laughs> Uh, this is a song for the USAA original song co competition, Rough Mix by Beats for Everybody. So, uh, anyway, there you go. The link will be in the show notes so you can listen to that song to your heart's content. Thank you for the question. Question 84, question from Mary. Some in my Freedom Cell network are debating about the evilness of QR codes. Some think they understand how they work. I don't yet. Catherine Austin Fitz has multiple times suggested to stay away from them, so I was wondering if you've written something about them, how they work, pros and cons, maybe some magic words to find some more info about them. Yeah, good callback to the magic words of Solutions Watch. All right, um, 
I haven't written specifically on QR codes before, but that does remind me, I did want to put in a solutions watch at some point, the idea of uh, taking a marker and just putting in some extra dots in a QR code here and there, some easy mischief that might uh, throw some gears in the works there. Uh, uh, so I'm not sure if QR codes themselves are inherently evil, but they certainly do facilitate evil purposes, don't they? And they make it more technologically efficient to do things that would have been unimaginable before. Like you've got to scan your Q the QR code on your smartphone to check in when you go visit someplace to make sure that you're not one of the dirty people, the unvaxxed or whatever. Yeah, so clearly it facilitates a lot of the biosecurity agenda. And that's why I think we should be concerned about QR codes and their implementation. And the fact that they are they can be used to essentially bar people from public life. You don't have a smartphone, you can't scan the QR code, then you can't enter this public space or whatever it is. So yes, there are reasons to be wary of it. Um, even though I don't think the technology itself is inherently evil and you can use QR codes. I mean, hey, I have put the corporatereport.com link as a QR code and then post it places and see who scans in to see the website and learn something new. Who knows? It could be used for good, but generally it isn't, right? Uh, question 85 uh, from Daniel. <laughs> I'm just realizing this is a repeat question. I wanted to ask about the Seymour Hirsch revelations about Nord Stream and what you have to say about it. Well, see a few questions ago. There you go. I get so many questions, I can hardly keep track. Um, 86, question from Frank. I often hear and feel we're in the middle of a great awakening, but perhaps this is just my experience. In 2020, I moved to a country town in Western Australia, and just about all my new friends are aware of the various agendas at play. But could this just be a case of life like attracts like? If so, that would make sense. I'm a friendly, gregarious person and feel I've quickly found my tribe in Margaret River. All that said, is there an empirical way we can measure success of the awakening? And is there any evidence that reaching a critical mass of awakened souls could stop these agendas in their tracks? I've seen memes claiming we only need 10 to 20% of truly awakened people to turn this thing around. Yeah, I, I don't know. Trust the memes, right? Um... Is there an empirical way of finding this out? The only empirical thing that we could do is to look throughout history and try to determine. I mean, that's where the whole three percenter thing comes from, right? It's only three percent of the American public were made the pushed the American Revolution through to, to to its completion, right? Or so they say. But actually, the fact checkers will come along to tell you, well, that underestimates how many people were actually resisting the British and blah blah blah. So I'm not sure if we can even necessarily glean it from the historical record. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, are you looking for me to tell you a precise number and then precisely how to measure that number at any moment? All I know is they are lying to you at all times in the media about how fringe a crazy conspiracy wingnut you are and nobody supports you. No one believes what you believe. Meanwhile, everyone else around you is hearing the same message and thinking, well, I, I, oh, I, I better keep to myself. So I think there are more people than are realized. And I, I do think there is some critical mass at which point the the enslavement grid will not be possible. But it also involves people not only reaching that mass, but doing something, implementing something, changing their life. That is the point at which we will see real change. So there's a lot that goes into that. I'm sorry I can't give you a number. Uh, question 87 comes from Insect in Pixel, who asks, where can I get a no rulers hoodie? Yes, asking the important question. So people might have seen my no rulers hoodie I've worn on the podcast a few times. It's from Liberty Maniacs, and I will link that up in the show notes. Please support Dan McCall over at Liberty Maniacs. Please get the literally no rulers hoodie. Uh, question 88, question from Fabrice. It, 
Is it fair to say that the globalist elites become more overt and brazen during the COVID saga, or was I just asleep for so long? Yes. Question 89 from Norbert. Have you thought of the possibility that our recent weather extremes have something to do with geoengineering? Uh, yes. Uh, search geoengineering on corporatereport.com. Uh, that doesn't change the fact that weather extremes are actually generally decreasing, and even the World Meteorological Organization admits that weather events are less deadly now than 50 years ago, but are just being overreported to hype the climate change narrative. Uh, all of that being said, but yes, can specific events be caused by geoengineering? Of course. And I have talked about that in the past. Question 90 comes from Leaf. Can you please tell me what episode to start with, or how I might navigate your past episodes in some sort of chronological order? Uh, I have spent the last year listening to all of Richard Grove's Tragedy and Hope podcasts, starting with his first episode and working my way through them all. Can you tell me how I might do something similar with yours? I can't seem to figure out a starting point with your episodes. Yes, go to corporatereport.com. Go to the audio tab. Go to podcasts. You're now in the podcast category. And at the top, it's got the drop-down list. Click the drop-down list, and there is a list of every single podcast episode in order. I think in reverse order, right? So anyway, you can go back to episode one and just click through each and every one of them if you, if you like to do it that way. Same with interviews. Same with videos. Uh, question 91. Oh, we're almost there. <laughs> question from Joseph. I'm looking for your content on Rumble and not seeing a channel of yours. Is that correct? If so, are you considering uploading on Rumble, or uh, question 92, the player on your site isn't working, which I've received many times from many people on v various occasions. Yeah, sometimes the player, the embed isn't displaying right or isn't working properly or Odyssey is down or BitChute isn't working or what have you. Um, so yes, when that happens, uh, if you're on the front page, there will always be the click here to, for show notes and comments or show notes and MP3 or whatever. Click that link. Then you're in the actual post. There will be the video player. If that video player isn't working for you, then underneath it, it will always say, watch on, archive, bitshoot, uh, Odyssey, Rumble, blah, blah, blah. All of those are links to all of the different platforms where I am. For example, Rumble. You can click that Rumble link and you can go to my Rumble, that particular post on my Rumble channel and... From there, you can see my Rumble channel. Or you can find any of my other platforms there. So, anyway, um, if if it ever isn't working for you, there's always many, many, many different platforms on which you could be watching any given video. Uh, question 93, question from Jane. Hello, James. I'm a bit confused. I've been a longtime member of the Corbett Report, but on your last video, you mentioned the Corbett Report Substack page, which I had not heard of. I went to that page and subscribed. Now I've received an email as a new subscriber for the Corbett Report itself. Does my original membership with the Corbett Report also allow me to be a member of your Substack? Or did I need a separate membership for your Substack page? <laughs> Thank you for the email, Jane. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, this is fun. Uh, I think the confusion is around the word subscribe in the very many different ways it is applied here. Um, yes, you can subscribe to the Corbett Report i.e. become a paying member of CorbettReport.com to log in to CorbettReport.com for login privileges, subscriber discounts, the subscriber newsletter, etc. Or you can subscribe to my Substack, which is to sign up to receive the email updates whenever I post something. And yes, I post things to Substack as well as my CorbettReport.com page. So it exists in both places. But my real work, my real, the core is corporatereport.com. Don't ever lose sight of that. At least bookmark it for in case Substack goes down or I get censored or whatever it is, because that has happened in the past. 
But, hey, here's another level of confusion. When you sign up via Substack, you can subscribe for free, and you're on the free email list, and you'll get the emails every time. Or you can subscribe as a monthly or annual payment. And in that case, what you were doing is you were subscribing to become a paid member of CorbettReport.com. So if you're already a paid member of CorbettReport.com and you want the email updates, then you should go for the free email updates on Substack. You don't have to pay me again. And if you are paying via Substack, you don't get anything from Substack. You get login membership for the CorbettReport.com. It's perfectly clear. I don't understand why anyone has any questions about this. <laughs> anyway, hope that helps. But if not, Contact me. I'm happy to walk you through it. Uh, question 94 comes from Tao. Uh, why is it that episode 355 on your website is about Alex Jones? Interview 355, Alex Jones. But on your podcast feed, it's about the minimum wage. In fact, I can't fa find the Jones interview on your podcast feed. All right. Interview 355, Alex Jones. Podcast episode 355, minimum wage. Interview is different from podcast. So yes, interview one is different than episode one. Interview 10 is different than episode 10. And wait until you find out about Questions for Corbett and Corbett Report Radio and the other numbered podcasts I have in the back back catalog. It's uh, <laughs> Is that confusing? Anyway, it is what it is. So yes, there is an interview podcast or interview feed and a podcast feed and don't confuse them. All right. Question 95 comes from Boris. Hey, James, have you investigated, have you ever investigated Creo Syndicate? Nope. Uh, question 96 comes from JG. Hello and good afternoon from Brazil. Just curious if you know about Goldbacks, goldback.com. I am trying to find a way to bring them to Brazil. Uh, yes, I think, I think Pilato has even received a Goldback or two via the PO box. So, and we're happy to receive them if you got them out there. Good luck in Brazil. Uh, question 97. Question from Buzz. James, what is your position today in regards to the Alex Jones interview of Aaron Russo many years ago? You, at that time, seemed to, to disparage Russo's me message to us that there was a group intent on controlling our access to our money. Thank you for your excellent work over the years. Uh, thank you, Buzz, but uh, nope. Do not misrepresent me like that. Fake news. I never disparaged Russo's message or the idea of people trying to control your money. That's been a core central part of my message since the very, very beginning of the corporate report. So, no, I've always thought it is something like what he talked about in that interview. But I did ask, back in questions for Corbett number 38, way back in the day, who is Nicholas Rockefeller? And I still think that's a good question. I think there are still some question marks surrounding that figure, who I'm sure Aaron Russo believed to be a part of the Rockefeller family, but was he really? And what, how related and all of that. But anyway, no, I was questioning who is Nicholas Rockefeller. I was not questioning the long-term game plan or disparaging that in any way, shape, or form. Um, and I have featured that Russo clip in particular several times, actually, in the past. So no, I was not disparaging that message. Question 98 comes from Ricky. First, thank you, brother. I think everyone who has been red-pilled must have their aha moment. And for me, that was watching your big oil docs. I was like a ton of... It was like a ton of bricks to the face. So thank you. Well, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> uh, now that I've watched everything you have, are there some other good, reliable folks to check out? My, my mind is now wide open, but I want to fill it with good, solid info and not just any Tom, Dick, or Larry with some crackpot theory. Maybe anyone else's documentaries to check out as well? Thanks so much. All right. Well, Ricky, if you're familiar with my archives, then you are now familiar with literally hundreds of people that I have talked to over the years 
dozens of documentaries, thousands of videos and articles and all sorts of things that I have featured, I've talked about, I've dissected. Any one of those might be a good starting point for you. Hey, that was really interesting. I like that interview. Who's that guy? I think I'll check that guy out. That's part of what I do. And I, I think that is probably how a lot of people discover new things. I always try to bring on new people and talk to new people. So hopefully there are many, 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 many answers in the archives. And I'm not recommending any particular person. It's whatever resonates with you, whatever you think is interesting. Question 99. <sighs> Almost there. Do the events of the ICC's arrest warrant for Putin and Trump's mention of his supposed impending arrest coincide? And could the U.S. have influenced or manipulated the ICC into his decision, into its decision? What's happening behind the veil of these likely synchronized stories? And could more bank failures be planned behind the veil of these events? All right, thank you for the question. I think that uh, specifically the Putin arrest warrant, the Trump um, arrest, whatever, I think it's more boogeyman theatrics by the people casting the shadows on the cave wall. And the moment that we start caring about these cave wall shadows and what happens to them is the moment that we start losing. The, oh my God, look at what they're doing to Vladimir Biosecurity State 2030 UN Agenda for Sustainable Development po uh, pushing Putin. And Donald, the COVID vax was humanity's greatest accomplishment. Trump, oh my God, they're getting him. The MSM are really f against him, so I must be for him and everything that he's doing, right? I don't have a mind of my own. So no, I, whatever, I think that's theatrics. Could it be used as a smokescreen for uh, the next part of an agenda? Sure, but anyway, I don't, I'm trying as little as possible to pay attention to the cave wall shadows. Episode 100, question from... Uh, Question 100. Episode from Catherine. What? <laughs> I can't even speak anymore. <laughs> How many hours have we been doing this? <sighs> question 100. Question from Catherine. How do I leave a question for Corbett? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so we arrive at the beginning. Um, yeah, good question. However you can. Skywriting might work if I happen to be passing by. Or uh, in the comments section at corporatereport.com, which is the only comment section I look at if you happen to be a Corbett Report member or via the contact form. But as you can see, I have a mountain of questions. We only scratched the very tiniest layer of a surface. I just dipped in and pulled out a hundred questions. And there are thousands that I haven't gotten to and presumably will not get to. Um, I don't think that this is a very helpful format. And I'm glad I switched from the answer a bunch of questions every QFC to answer one question, because I can answer one question in detail in a way that'll actually provide some real meat for people. Um, so I prefer that. But that means, you know, there's going to be a lot of questions I don't get to and I don't answer. Don't take it personally. It's just I, I am absolutely, I could spend the rest of my life doing nothing other than answering emails and answering questions. But I'm not going to spend the rest of my life doing that. So anyway, keep sending them in and I will keep picking ones that I think I can answer in an informative way. And tell you what, I promise the, you for episode questions for Corbett, episode 1000, I will, I put it on record here. I will answer 1000 questions. But the joke's on you because I'm actually going to stop numbering questions for Corbett after episode 100 because who cares what number it is? <laughs> is anyone keeping track of the number <laughs> besides me? No, of course not. You care about the question. So the question 
title will now just be the question of the episode. It will not be sorted by number. But if, if somebody wants to keep track at home, hey, wait, oh, wait, this is, this is episode 1000. 90 years from now, you can come after me. Hey, you promised answering 1000 questions and I'll be there. Don't worry. Anyway, that was a lot of work. I think I'm going to stop now. Bye.